Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I'm coming in to you with another FHD Vault episode. Now, this one aired way back on September 11th of 2019, so that's almost three years ago on episode 81. At the time of the release of this episode, the one in 2022, that is, we're only one day away from the opening of the 2022 NFL season, and we're only a few days away from opening weekend, which will be held on September 11th. Now, the NFL is no doubtedly going to pay tribute to the brave men and women that endured hardship and heroics on that fateful day a little over 20 years ago. And I want to do the same thing here. But think about that first. I just said a little over 20 years ago. It just seems like it was yesterday for those of you that lived through it. I mean, it's one of those moments that if you ask pretty much anybody on the planet that was old enough to remember what was going on, if you say, hey, where were you during 9-11? They're going to have an answer for you. It's not one of those things where they got to say, well, what do you mean by 9-11? No, they're going to vividly recall where they were. I mean, at the time I was a junior in high school, and this was the week that we were scheduled to play our crosstown rival. It's the biggest rivals that we have in football. And this was the first year that I was on the varsity team. So I'm strolling in in the morning. Well, I mean, coming from the first class, that is. But I get into my English class, and all these people are kind of huddled around. Some are crying. Some are sitting there watching this TV. I'm like, wait a second. This is kind of weird. Why do we have a TV in the middle of the English room? This isn't kind of normal. Then we watched it for a little bit more of the news, and we figured out what was going on. We were all just basically zombies or just sitting there for the rest of a couple hours. They're trying to figure out what the heck is going to happen. I mean, what's going to happen for the rest of the day? What's going to happen for the rest of the school year? Heck, I mean, this is the time when I'm pretty close to being 18, a graduate in high school. What happens if there's a war? What if I have to get drafted? I mean, talk about millions of thoughts, different types of thoughts and emotions. I mean, including just straight up being pissed off that someone would even do this. But then we get let out of school. We're told, no school activities. Go home. That's it. Just be with your families. But this was our rivalry week. I mean, you all know, if you played any sports and you have a rival, that is the biggest week of the entire year. And the seniors, of course, they wanted to beat those Millington dogs. Well, they weren't really dogs. It's just kind of one of those things where that was our nickname for them. So the whole team decided to go to an open field near an elementary school. We tried to do this so we could work on at least some kind of practice. It might not be one of those things where the coach is there and they're going to tell us we're going to go through all the drills. We don't even have our gear, but at least we're going to do something. I mean, I was torn. It was one of those things where, should I really be going there? You know, some some people say you shouldn't even go do nothing. Some say, well, let's keep it like normal because this is America and we don't let anybody bring us down. And of course, in the back of my mind, one of the things was, I didn't want to let my teammates down. So it's all confusing. We don't know what to do. But then we're ultimately out there. We're stretching. Coach comes by and he says, hey, I'm proud of all of you for banding together, you know, as a team and having that drive to be able to, as one unit, go forward and not let this phase you. But you guys, you got to go home. So we started to pack it up. Coach leaves. And then some of the seniors go, we're not doing this. We're going to go back. We still got to whoop all over those dogs and all that kind of thing. And one senior speaks up. Let's all go to my house. He's, you know, lives out in the country. He's got this barn and everything. So we're going to have practice there. Again, it's not a real practice. We don't have our pads. We don't have anything going on. It's just kind of that team camaraderie. We're able to maybe run a few drills. 
So ultimately, we did have some kind of practice, and then we went home. And of course, you're at home, you're still in disbelief. You got the rest of the week going through until we didn't know what we're going to have game. Were we going to be having to kick off this upcoming Friday? We had no idea. But ultimately, we did play a game. Again, this is the hated rivals, the ones that you run the extra hills for during the week because you know you got to be there for the fourth quarter and beyond. Then we get to this game. We have the opening ceremony, just like probably every single game, every single sport, every kind of event across America for not just that week, but for beyond. And right there, it's kind of funny how on the gridiron, even though we were rivals, we had that, you know, trash talking and even beyond that sometimes. I've heard of many stories between the two rivals, but that didn't matter. We were on the gridiron together. We were all Americans and we're all proud of the men and women that endured what they did. And as basically the high school footballers that we were, the only thing we could do that we felt to honor them was just play our hearts out, let it all on the field. So that's what we did. And that's a cool thing about sports. And in my opinion, football more so than others, because of that bond that you get, it's the closest thing you can get, at least in current sports, that is, to go into battle. And that's not to take away anything from battle. But talk about the closest thing you can get. Football is the one that bring, gets brought up all the time. And both of our tiny little towns were able to watch this game and for at least a little moment, somewhat forget about the reality that was our unknown for the world. Because again, we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going to happen. And in this episode, you're going to hear about something called the Green Light Letter. This is something that President Franklin Roosevelt gave to then-commissioner of, uh, this is a commissioner of Major League Baseball, not football, because <laughs> this is back when, you know, baseball was king. But Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis, this green light letter that basically said, no, you will not shut down. We will not let the bombings at Pearl Harbor stop America's way of life. So again, we're going to learn more about that in this FHD Vault episode. And I hope that this upcoming weekend, you're able to honor the memories of all the heroes from 9-11, but also you're able to enjoy cheering for your team to victory. With that, I'll just say, Go Lions! On September 11th, 2001, nearly 3,000 Americans lost their lives from the largest loss of life on American soil caused by a foreign attack. This was an act of terrorism that I cannot come up with the right word to describe. The Pearl Harbor attack was six decades earlier, and just like then, the NFL had decisions to either cancel the upcoming slate of games or to play them as scheduled. Some believed that playing would be disgraceful to the 3,000 Americans that lost their lives and also to their families. Others believed that not staying business as usual would mean that the terrorists were victorious. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step off the DeLorean, the date is September 11th, 2001. And we're somewhere in a parallel universe, because just as I say that, September 11th, or even 9-11, you know what I mean. And that's why I'm calling it a parallel universe, because it did not seem real at the time. It still does not seem real that this could have even happened, that someone could come up with this carnage and mayhem to cause on so many innocent lives. But still, September 11th, 2001, 
is a day that America and the world will never forget. I mean, I remember exactly where I was when this happened. I was in high school, and I remember coming into English class. There was some, one of our students came in crying, and we're like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, the teacher comes through, puts a TV on, and we see the towers burning. I mean, I'm sure that you can remember where you were, too. Everybody remembers moments like this. I think we even had half of a day school called off. I can't remember for sure. It was our football season still, just like it was for the NFL. September, it was the beginning of the season. I mean, organized sports, of course, were canceled for the day for high school. As players, though, we, went, we ended up going to the local park and we started drills as a team, something we wanted to do together. And then, of course, the coach comes by and he's like, man, you guys really shouldn't be here. You need to go home to your families. So most of us decided to go to one of our captain's houses instead. Of course, looking back, this probably wasn't the right thing to do, but we all at the time, being young high school students, we wanted to be there with our friends and our family. Now, when I mean family, I'm talking about our football family, because we were a football, a family, a football family, just like every other football team out there is. We wanted to carry on. We wanted to do this as a team. And like I said, looking back, I'm not so sure it was the right move. But regardless, September 14th, just a few days later, George W. Bush stood amongst the rubble, the ground zero rubble, and declared to the workers that he could hear them. This is after he's using his megaphone and, you know, the workers are like, we can't hear you. And he's like, I can hear you. The whole world hears you. And the people that were responsible for this, they're going to hear us too. And in the background, you've got the workers are chanting, USA, USA. It's one of those moments that will live on forever. Even though it was from a tragic, unfortunate historical event, it is something that many Americans still rally behind. And here's a quick clip from that day. This nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. I can hear you! I'm pretty sure that you remember that too. But going back to my team, my high school team, we ended up that same night, September 14th, playing against our rivals. Now, this was on their home turf, so it was like the same thing. Sombering moment, time for reflection, a time though to still be thankful for what we had. It was a time to celebrate the heroes, but also a time to mourn those that lost their lives. For us, what better way to do this than to play football in front of our friends and family? Now we lost to our home rivals that game on our turf, on their turf. But again, thinking about it, was it the right move? I really don't know. I can't give you a good answer. I tell you the emotions that we felt coming together. Now, our rivals and us standing in locked arms to salute the flag. Now, that was something that helped bring us together. 
And just as administrators in our small towns had to make a decision, were we going to play the games or were we going to wait a week or two or however long it takes for the nation to get over what just happened just three days previously? The NFL had to make the same decision because they had a full slate of games scheduled just five days after the attacks. Then Commissioner Paul Tagliabue and his executives, they had to make this call because this wasn't one of those things where we can just flip a coin and just say, yep, okay, let's go with that. They had to put a lot of thought into it. I mean, there's a couple different, now, there's many different theories, but let's just say on the playing this, let's go with the let's play the games theory. This is like stopping what we do means the terrorists win. We can't let that happen. We need to continue with business as usual. Then on the other side, there's the theory of let's cancel the games. You know, the same thing is we need to focus on things, but they're bigger than football. We need to show respect for those that lost their lives. And then when we're ready, then we will move on. But I could see both sides of the story. Whatever decision would have been made would have been the right call and the wrong call at the same time. I mean, it's easier for us to sit here this 18th anniversary today when the episode released to think about what we would have done. Hindsight, of course, as they say, is 2020. But at the time, they only had a few days to make this decision. I mean, if you were the commissioner of the NFL at the time, what would you have made? What decision would you have made if, you know, you had to deal with this and you had all these things going on? You're just trying to make sure that your friends and family are okay, but you at the same time have to make a decision. Do we play the following week? Like I said, today is September 11th, 2019. This is the day of the 18th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Does that date, having this anniversary, does that sway your decision? Or would it just be able to, would you be able to take yourself out and objectively decide what would be best for the nation, for the game, and for everybody around the world? I mean, I found in many articles how it stated that a lot of the owners, they felt that we should play the games because they didn't want to show a weakness. They don't want to show that the terrorists disrupted the American way of life and channeled our business as usual. We need to keep it going on because that means that they will not win. They will not be victorious. No matter if they cut a blow to us, if we continue on, we show them that they cannot stop the engine that is America. But I also found that many of the players, they didn't want to play especially in the cities that were most affected. We're talking like New York City and Washington, D.C. These cities were hit to the core, and they saw carnage firsthand. They wanted to be there for their friends or family. They did not feel like it was right to play a game when most people were dealing with lost lives, injuries, and all these other things that were going on in America at the time. And Michael Strahan was one of the biggest voices, and he played for the New York Giants at the time. He did not think it was right for the games to go on. Their stadium is so close, he could still see the smoke from the practice fields. I mean, this is just such a crazy time. Again, how do you make the right decision? But let's go back a day before. We're hopping in this DeLorean. We're going to go back to September 10th. Unfortunately, this is not a parallel universe. This actually did happen. The Giants played opening game on Monday night against the Denver Broncos at Invesco Field at Mile High. Again, this was September 10th. It was the first regular season game ever played at Invesco Field at Mile High. Also, side note, the Heinz Field in Pittsburgh also opened up in 2001. Now, the Giants were coming off from heartache earlier in the season. We're talking at the beginning of 2001. This is before 9-11 happened, before September 10th, the first game that they played in the 2001 season. They lost Super Bowl 35 to the Baltimore Ravens. We're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. And this was their first ever victory in the Super Bowl. Man, dealing with that loss, 
then come into Monday night against the Broncos trying to have some redemption in Denver's and ruin their, you know, christening of the stadium for regular season, only to lose 31-20 and have to go all the way across country on an airplane overnight, basically the red-eye flight because you got to get back to work because you have a short week to get back and play Green Bay Packers the next week at home. On September 16th, the Sunday after what we now know as 9-11, even though they didn't know that at the time. And nobody could have even had a clue of what was about to happen. Tuesday morning, Jim Fassel, the coach of the New York Giants, he basically was telling his guys, dude, we're getting home, we're landing this plane, and we're going straight to work because we are embarrassed. We need to figure this thing out so we do not turn a horrible season for the 2001 season. But the tides were about to turn. They had no idea what was about to happen, nor did anybody else, except for a few of those friggin' hijackers on 9-11. There's a breakdown from an article from Eli Saslow in the ESPN magazine that I'm going to go ahead and give you the quote because this is kind of an idea of what happened. Fate would have them sitting next to on the tarmac to one of the planes, and it goes as such. The Giants had a short week of practice before their next game, at home against the Packers. It felt like the only thing that mattered. The plane descended from the sky as the sun rose over New York City on Tuesday morning. Just after dawn, the Giants charter plane landed in Newark International Airport and pulled up to Gate 14. Nearby, United Airlines Flight 93 idled on the tarmac. It was a cross-country flight from Newark to San Francisco scheduled to depart at 8 a.m. Think about that bone-chilling moment. At the time, they had no idea. The crazy thing is that the whole way home, all they could think about was the gut-wrenching heartache of a loss. We are the defending NFC champions, but we lost in the Super Bowl. Then we go to Denver, and we lose to the Broncos on opening night. Is our team falling apart? And literally, they had no idea that did not matter at all. And even next to them on the tarmac, were the passengers of United Airlines Flight 93 who would give the ultimate sacrifice to prevent more innocent Americans from being attacked on 9-11. Now, these are true heroes, and the Giants were next to them. They had no idea. And after everything happened, the next day, the whole country, the whole world's in disarray. Many of the players, they still showed up to practice the next day. But how do you even go through practice at a time like that? How do you even concentrate? Many of the players told Gene Upshaw, then NFL PA president, they were not going to play. And an article from Michael Silver and Yahoo Sports kind of chronicled a little bit about Gene Upshaw's morning. He was driving to Washington, D.C. headquarters for NFL PA after he had dropped off his kids in Northern Virginia. On his way to the office, he could see the black smoke burning. He didn't know what it was. But when he turned on the TV, he would find out this was the Pentagon. And he would find out that the towers had been smashed into. Upshaw, of course, when he gets all figured out, he starts calling. He calls the NFL. He calls Paul Taglibu, the NFL commissioner who was at NFL headquarters. We're talking that this NFL headquarters in Manhattan was just a few miles away from Ground Zero. So obviously, everybody is worried about what's going on, especially around NFL. They're thinking about their friends over there in NFL headquarters, and they're wondering, are the family and friends, do they have any loved ones that are in the towers? Is anyone trapped? I mean, speaking to someone that had a loved one in the towers, he means a whole lot to New York City, especially for a couple Super Bowls against the Patriots. 
Tom Coughlin. Now, Tom Coughlin wasn't in New York at the time. He was the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But his son, his son worked for Morgan Stanley, and he was in the South Tower at the time. He later recalled how he had just been stunned looking at the North Tower being caught on flames after the first plane had hit. And then when he was dealing with this, you know, of course, immediately he's thinking, oh man, I should get out of here. And then boom, his tower was hit, the South Tower. He could feel the entire tower shaking when the plane hit it. He ended up making it out alive. And there are many stories like this, but unfortunately, there were many more that were never told. And even though the business on the NFL was not nearly as important that day, nor will it ever be, there were still things to consider. There's a quote from Michael Silver's article that kind of summed it up for us, and it went as such. With the slate of regular season games scheduled to take place five days after the attacks, there were logistical, psychological, financial, and moral issues to consider, and very little time to contemplate them. I mean, the same thing happened after the Pearl Harbor attacks and even the JFK assassination. Three NFL games were actually underway when the Pearl Harbor bombings happened. This has been brought up quite a few times on this show, and the NFL, as we know, decided to stay with the games. The first Packer and Bears playoff game actually happened exactly a week after Pearl Harbor. We know later, Franklin Roosevelt would end up giving baseball the green light letter, which of course let football play as well, or made them think that, let's keep on going as two. But that wasn't a week after, that was more like later on in January. Football wasn't the biggest league in the nation in the early 40s too, not even close, so it didn't even have as much of an impact. Then on November 22nd, 1963, in Dallas, Texas. JFK is assassinated. I mean, we're in the middle of the Cold War. The Cuban Missile Crisis has just happened. The standoff. NFL was in a war itself with the AFL. The NFL-AFL Cold War. The signing players, just like the spies over there with Russia and everything. And then JFK happens. The entire country is brought to its knees. The NFL decided to play games two days later. The AFL, however, decided to cancel games, and then play the following weekend. Now, this all happened just five short years, well, long years during that time frame, after the game that really put the NFL on the map. I mean, like, for sure in the right trajectory, dubbed as the greatest game ever played. You know, that 1958 championship we keep talking about. In the 60s, though, the NFL still was not quite the top sport. But fast forward to 2001. September 11th, 2001, NFL is the top sport in America. So this decision was going to have even more weight bared upon Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner of the NFL. He ultimately did cancel the weekend games. In an article by Andrew Brandt on Forbes, a former executive for the Packers, he mentioned how Tagliabue and Upshaw already had a good relationship, but this tragedy had forged an even deeper pond between the two men. And they agreed that the game should not be played that weekend. And here's how they did it, though. I mean, how do we make up for it? Do we just cancel the games and figure it out the end? No. They decided that those games would be switched over until after the last regular season game was played, which meant we had to change up the playoffs a little bit. They ended up having no bye weeks between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. Also, the Super Bowl would end up being moved from January 27th to February 3rd to kind of accommodate all the changing around of the schedules. This would end up being the first Super Bowl ever played in February. 
And at this 36th Super Bowl, President Bush would declare it as a national special security event. Basically, this meant that the Secret Service was coordinating safety for everything. And they still had some issues because we didn't know how many ways it would have went if they would have decided to play the games would have been better. I don't know. But most agreed at the time and still do that it was the right thing to do to cancel those games or at least shift them to the end of the season. And a quote from Tiki Barber, a New York Giants running back at the time, kind of summed it up for how the players felt. He said, We had smoldering remains across the river and unclaimed cars in our parking lot. There was no question not playing was the right call. We all had to mourn as individuals before we could build our resolve as a nation. And I'll leave links to the resources that I use in this episode in the show notes for you, which, by the way, you can go ahead and get to the show notes for your podcast player or by heading to thefootballhistorydude.com. Again, that's thefootballhistorydude.com. And also, I ask that you subscribe for free to this show by mashing that little subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. That way you get the hottest, freshest out the press episodes, well, each and every week. And the games, getting back to September 2001, they did postpone those games. But that doesn't mean the season was canceled. I mean, teams would come back to the stadiums with fans, hearts, and emotions all over the place. It was time to honor the fallen ones by playing football. But on a side note, again, not nearly as important, but still a momentous moment in the NFL. The first game back, September 23rd, 2001. This is a game that will go down in NFL history. I mean, it just seemed like a story written by the football gods to out of the ashes would rise the Phoenix. The Phoenix was a quarterback because in this game, Drew Bledsoe goes down. And according to an ESPN article from Adam Schefter himself, it was New York Jets linebacker, Mo Lewis. He slammed Bledsoe into the ground, causing him to be rushed to the hospital with severe internal bleeding in his chest. So what does Billy B do? He hands over the keys, the keys to the kingdom, the Patriot kingdom, over to some unproven scrawny kid from the University of Michigan. Yes, the first game back from 9-11, Tom Brady takes over the starting gig, and he raises the roof on the NFL forever. We all know how the story went that year. He proceeded to lead the Patriots to the Super Bowl. They would face off against the reigning MVP, Kurt Warner, in his greatest show on turf. Patriots would win their first Super Bowl, and it would be the beginning of a dynasty. But it wasn't like it was really necessarily, you know, the what they're calling the goat of the quarterbacks. Of course, he managed the game well and he played well, but it was really the defense back then. And who won the game was Mr. Adam Vinatieri. He kicked a 48-yard field goal with nothing on the clock to win the game. This was the first time in Super Bowl history where the winning points were on the final play. I mean, there are other interesting outcomes from the 2001 season and facts and stuff like that, just like there are every year. But we'll leave those for another episode. But one interesting thing I did want to say is the 2001 season, at least before the season started, at the league meeting, this is when the owners unanimously approved a realignment to include the Houston Texans, thus creating the eight divisions of four that we see now starting in the upcoming season for them in 2002. Like I said, I could go on and on about all the stories that happened during the terrible time in American history. 
But all in all, I do believe that football and sports in general help people through tough times. It's not a substitute for grief and sorrow that comes with such tragedies, but it is a way for people to come together. And a 2016 article from NFL.com by Giants beat reporter at the time, Kimberly Jones, sums it up pretty nicely. In her article, she stated that how she still thought of the smoke and the smell, and how 15 years before that, they used sports to forget. But now, we use sports to remember. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Football History Dude and were able to appreciate the tough decisions that were made during the 9-11 attacks and the sacrifices that many heroes made during this time. In the next episode, we're going to go back to that meeting in the Hupmobile Auto Showroom and relive for a brief moment how the NFL was born on September 17th, 1920. And I suggest that you head over to the Football History Dude or make sure that you subscribe for free to this show. That way you get the next episode as soon as it drops. Now, we're going to do this on our way to diving deeper into the first season of the NFL and all the original teams. But for now, dudes, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes... Where we're going, we don't need roads.